things change, the more they stay the same. Technology is always a friendly enemy. Right? So we have all these wonderful rechargeable batteries so that we can do good things for the environment, and all three of them failed, all three sets this morning. So I went and got the non-rechargeable kind, which I have to remember before next Sunday. Um, so we're going to test those batteries this week and see whether they work. And speaking of recharging batteries, I say thank you once again, and I'll, I'm going to expand on that a little more. Um, thank you to you uh, for the time to rest. It's been a rough couple of years with COVID. I remember um, somebody, in they're in this room, but I'm not going to point them out, uh, during COVID goes, well, you're hoping to get some time off. How's it going? And, uh, and about 10 of us in the church family were spending about 60 hours a week working on online worship services at that moment. And I'm going, <laughs> it's going great. <laughs> it's going great. Um, and uh, it, you know, just getting some time off after a season like that, and you know, it's been a couple of years even, but you know, it's the gift that keeps on staying, is uh, something like that, and even through this last month, I know so many of you have suffered with it by the grace of God. I don't think I have had this virus, and uh, I can't say anything but thank you, Lord, for that, and knowing that how, how those things happen. Um, for the last month, I got to reflect a lot. And of course, during the first week, uh, we went to New Mexico to celebrate my mom's life. Um, she passed away June 17th, the, day or the Friday before uh, Father's Day. And of course, I, I didn't preach that Sunday. Uh, Greg Cole filled in. I'm thankful for John Zonlow, my father-in-law, one of the faithful in our church family here, who preached the first Sunday we were, uh, we were out, but also recruited the other two guys who preached for Chance and uh, for Scott. I've thanked both of them since then. I've been conversing with them because they're both very active in our community, and we part our church partners with both of them. And so even this past week, I've been working with them. Uh, the themes that were preached through that time are relevant for all time on earth, fear, forgiveness, and prayer. Um, we're always going to deal with fear, and we always need to remember two words, like John said, to fear not, because our God is on his throne. And I think of that as Allison led us this morning. Uh, God is on his throne, and all the things that we're dealing with and all the trials and um, suffering and the hardships, and, and even this morning hearing stories of those who were hit with uh, terrible news this past week, God is still faithful. And um, he's good. Uh, Caitlin and I talked about uh, Philemon this morning. Philemon's a fascinating little book. It was a half a page in the Bible I was reading from this morning, and um, it's such a picture of God's grace and forgiveness. What Paul reminded Philemon he needed to do because of who he was and what he had been given, and that is God's grace and forgiveness. And ultimately, we don't hear God's voice except through the power of prayer. And I would say even as we read his word, we can read it like a textbook. We can read it as it is, and yes, it is living and active and sharper than every two, any two-edged sword, and it divides our soul and spirit and, and all of those truths about it. But if we're not willing to hear what it says, it does not change our life. God is a, um, is a loving master, a forgiving master. So... Uh, 
Gratitude is something I could think about a lot of the way um, and, and, and think about the messages you've heard this past month, and you may be, may be wishing that already we had those guys back. It's all right. Um, I, I think of Labor Day weekend with gratitude, and not because of anything that I did, because of what God did in my family's life with Allison and I 13 years ago. Um, that's the weekend we came to preach for the church, as they would say in our world, in view of a call. Some of the strangest terminology that we have. But um, that day, 52 people voted on us uh, to come and to lead the church. The vote was 50 to 2. It didn't take long to figure out the two. Um, Just telling you. Um, But as I look around the room this morning, uh, 13 years later, about 10 of you were there. And that, um, some of you would say, well, what'd you do with the rest of them? Well, God took them home, a lot of them. The fact is, it's that the world continues to turn. Time continues to go on. And, and think about today, for some of you, you were not 13 years ago. It was before you were born. But think about where you were 13 years ago today, or this week, or just generally, and think, Maybe it was a little different then. And as I think about how God has been faithful through all those things, I can think about the gratitude I have to Him for His call because that, that year before we came here was so formative uh, to, to the call to come here. And part of that, as I reflect on losing my mom this past summer, was that was when my dad passed away. It was that previous year. And so those 13 years between, here we are. And um, it's amazing how our circumstances affect who we are at that moment, but also change us along the way. And yet, we're still that person that was there whenever whatever happened. Just some things have happened along the way. And I can even think about it as I look at the room here right now, because a lot of you who've been around longer than we have who would say, it looks exactly the same as it always has. That is a false lie. Oh, no. Anyway, sorry. False. That is false. It may have the same kind of thing, but we have all this technology. There used to be a rail up here. There's a booth back in the back. This room is not the same as it was 13 years ago. This building, this neighborhood, this, this city is not the same as it was 13 years ago. God is faithful through all of that. And to him, I offer the gratitude first of all. Because gratitude is what we need to remember about our lives. Is that for all the things we have, there is a source. Gratitude is difficult to communicate. It is. Because so often, we end up being grateful for what we have. But one of the things I've been reminded of is that everything we have came from someone. It could have come from your parents. It could have come from employment. And that employment was paid for by a boss. Maybe they didn't have the money directly, but they were the ones who did that. And ultimately, you see this web grow. For all the things that you've been through, 
And I started thinking about a spider web. And part of, part of the reason is that is that we had a giant spider in our house this week. Don't worry, I killed it. I, I did it. It's amazing. But I started thinking about looking at a beautiful spider web, not one of the stringy black widow webs, but beautiful spider webs. And we don't see a lot of those in Colorado compared to places where it's more humid. And you see a lot of things like that. But you see that there's a center, right? And then it goes out. And I think about how that web is formed. And most of the time, when you see the spider forming the web, you see them on the web somewhere, right? Wherever it may be. But their home is always at the center. And you have these lines along the way that don't seem like they matter that much. But guess what was there to start with? That's the spider web's foundation. It connects to something solid, whether it's a tree branch, or whether it's a plant, or whether it's the porch, or whether it's your doorway so you can walk right through it, whatever it may be. But that's the foundation. And then the spider starts at the center and works its way in a spiral, right? At least for the pretty webs, that's how it works. Because I'm not a spider fan, but I... Those things can be pretty cool. Just don't walk through them, right? We must realize that our lives are more like a web than they are a flowchart. You understand the difference? A flowchart's when you have the source at the top, and then it splits off, and it's like the family tree, right? And that may be the case. We can, you know, claim our, our parents and, you know, then, you know, we have siblings along the way and then each member of that family get married and then you have more kids and you have the trees and all the family tree picture of that. But in our lives, it's much more like a web. It starts with the foundations, the, the, the strength of the web. That is wherever it's connected to solid. And then it starts in the center and it works its way out. And all of those things are connected to one another. And there may be a little bit of damage along the way, but because of the structure of the blessing as a whole, guess what? There's the web. And that's our lives. And at the center of that is the Lord. We must realize that he is the one who set the foundations in place. As we see throughout the New Testament, when Jesus talks about building a solid foundation, he is the one that if, if he had not set the bedrock for our faith, we wouldn't be here today. We must be thankful for those moments. But I think about those along the way that we should be thankful for and to be thankful to. Because a lot of times we think about what we're thankful for and you get to Thanksgiving. And, you know, in our culture, unfortunately, Thanksgiving has become a generic holiday. Because why did the original settlers to America celebrate it? To give thanks to the Lord. Whatever your political view about England coming and settling America might be in the 21st century. But they gave thanks to the Lord for his blessing. And that's why the holiday was set aside, to thank God for his blessings. But we, in our world, have made it a generic holiday that we just should be thankful. And you know what good that has done in our world? Nothing. Because we end up feeling entitled to the blessing 
rather than thankful to the giver. And I think a lot of times in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, and, and I know that for me, and I can say thank you to God. I thank my wife. I thank Allison for her faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness to me. This is a year we, a month ago, celebrated 22 years. That's pretty cool. And God is good, and God is faithful, and I am thankful to Allison for her faithfulness in that, and her faithfulness in serving the Lord. Several years ago, she uh, said she wanted to help lead worship, and so here she is doing it still. God is good. This church has been faithful to us in leading you, and we first must be faithful and thankful to the Lord for putting us all in this place together. And always that web comes back to him. And so I think back to that first Sunday, and this is a long introduction to where I'm getting to, but I think back to that first Sunday, and that, that first message, I had preached probably eight times in my life that first Sunday, and some of you would say you still haven't. But I, I think about how nervous I was and I think about this morning being a little nervous to come back just because it's been a few weeks. And, and I think about God's faithfulness in that. And I think about, uh, I preached, I believe, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, always ready at the defense. And, and, I, and I thought I did a great job. And then when the church you know, did the, the things that church do to call the pastors, had the vote together, Allison and I left, and she told me I said something I shouldn't have. Welcome to marriage, right? Um, but she's faithful in that. And, and I think about so much of life is like that, right? We think we've done as best as we could, and we offer the best, and the first thing that you hear, and I'm not, I'm not blaming, I did, that was my bad. I should have should have asked for permission to say something that I didn't, uh, that I, I didn't and that's my fault, I confess my sins. But then we think we've done something good, and somebody was offended by the offering. Somebody said, says, you said something, you did something that was hurtful. And that's life, guys, right? And think about every situation that we're in, and somebody did something wrong. And there's, that's where that gray area comes in, and we see there, my watch thinks I'm running. That's cool. That's fun. Must have a little heart rate going up there. But here's the thing, is that it always comes back to who are we grateful for? Who are we grateful to? To whom do we offer our gratitude? Probably the most humbling thing to do is to say thank you. So I say thank you, and I say it with a humble spirit. People receive it on their own terms, though. The recipient is the one who judges whether the giver is sincere. You ever been there where you give somebody a gift or you say thank you? And, and I remember when I was a little kid, probably Nathan's age, we had one of those school Christmas parties. That's when they let Christmas still happen in schools. It's, that's been a long time ago. Um, but a kid gave me a present that I thought was weird. So some kind of action figure that was strange, and I said so, because I was nine, <laughs> and I hurt his feelings. And I think a lot of times when we give something, the recipient doesn't realize 
the heart that came behind the gift. We must realize when we receive a blessing that the one who gave it had intentions to bless you. And we need to change our hearts with that sometimes. So I'm thankful to the Lord for my family. I'm thankful for Allison. I'm thankful for Caitlin and Nathan. And they, they bless me more than, than you would ever know. I'm thankful for Allison's folks, John and Karen, and, and how they welcomed me into their family, this big gangly, I had hair once, I had a lot of blonde hair, goofy-headed kid. And then they came to my mom's service. They came to my dad's service. And... Um, they serve our church. They serve the Lord. I think about our church family together, and I think about how many of you and many of our church along the way have been that kind of parental figure to me in a good way and in a frustrating way sometimes. Because <laughs> who doesn't get frustrated with your mom and dad? <laughs> Anybody there? Um, and, and I come back to this as I think about it to my mom's service. Um, my brother and I, are both in the same industry. He works in a church. He's, he's, a, he's a family pastor in New Mexico, in a church in New Mexico. And when, at least in my perspective, the eulogies we offered at our mom's service, we could have been talking about two totally different people. You ever been there in a family where you were raised by the same people and you had a completely different kind of experience? with those people because for my brother he always got frustrated with mom and thought dad was the one who was going easy and for me it was the flip I always thought my dad was on my case and my mom was the one I could always go to and so it was just an interesting thing to see how that all worked out together but I know that my parents loved the Lord and they wanted to bless him and they raised both of us in the fear of the Lord and both of us served the Lord so I think they did a pretty good job now, you can take that as it will. They're both with Jesus now, and he's talking to them about it, right? Many times we're better at communicating what we are grateful for than to whom we should be thankful. So think about the things that you're thankful for today. And I'm going to get to where I'm going, I promise, with this. God is at work. There are a handful of you in here that were here 13 years ago. And there's more in the church family as a whole than there are necessarily in the room today. Whether they're out of town, whether they are homebound or in a nursing home or, or whatever. But I don't say that when I look at the room today and say, oh, look, what a good job the Dukes have done. Because we have all these different people. Or you could say, man, you were hard on those people that were here when they got here. You know, you know. Okay, maybe both. It's a picture of is God's faithfulness. And many of you have been in churches that have folded, but the church is the body of Christ. Not one church, but the church in its entirety. And one of the things I like to do when I'm on vacation is to go to other churches. Allison and I do not share this, by the way. You'll notice that three out of the four Sundays she was here, and three out of the four Sundays I wasn't. <laughs> Allison loves her, her place and where she serves. I love my place and where I serve, but I like to see what other churches are doing too. And, and each place I was was totally different. Two of them were, you know, here. 
But God is faithful in all of those things. And what it comes down to is what we talked about, talk about now is how God is still at work. And I think about a, a, a text message I got last week, and the only person who would know about this in the room is Allison. And I'm not going to tell you who it was from because it doesn't matter, and most of you probably wouldn't even know who it is. But as someone who attended our church for a month or two several years ago, they don't live in town anymore, and they texted me because they needed help. Now, the meeting place was here. They knew me because of this church. And I was able to connect them with another pastor who was my friend and was able to minister to them in that moment. But that's a picture of God's faithfulness, guys. We are not in a vacuum. God is at work in our church family. And he is the one who will continue to bless it. We must seek him. Let's go to John chapter 13. And this is our memory verse for the month of uh, September. With that, I say thank you to people who filled the gap for Jamie, who did a whole lot of stuff in the tech booth. Like I said, the technology is a, a blessing and a curse simultaneously. Um, a blessed enemy, as it may be. Um, I'm thank thankful for each of you who have helped minister to one another uh, through this past month as we lost a dear church member, and you still minister there, and we'll get a chance to this month. Uh, people who filled a gap along the way, I say thank you. Thank you for being the church, the body being the body of Christ. For uh, John chapter 13, verse 31, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, I now also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The context of this passage is fascinating, because the first part of chapter 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Jesus shows us what he desires in our hearts, to be servants of those around us, both good and bad. Because in that group were 12 flawed humans and one betrayer. Another 11 deniers, as we will see come quickly. In verse 21, we see Judas... And I, I get, we had a lot of conversations about John in the last year in, in different ways, and I always think about something Zach says, Judas is the worst about John. John hated Judas. Judas is the worst. He was. It says so. For, for chapter 17, which you guys looked at last week, it says so. The son of perdition. But we see Jesus predict his betrayal and sent Judas to do the job. Then he says this, what we just read. And he gives us a new commandment. And then Peter, love Peter, 
he says right after that, where, where, where are you going? Verse 36, right? And Peter, Jesus says, you can't go there right now, Peter. Peter says, no, I can. And, Peter, and Jesus says, before the, the rooster crows three times, or before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And guess what happens later? Exactly that. So in the midst of all this betrayal and denial, Jesus says this command, love one another. In order for Christ to be known, He gives us this command to love each other. And that is the commission that He has given to the church in making disciples. Is to love one another. And that's my encouragement to you now as I think about these, these, this day and uh, think about what God has done and, and, and the gratitude I have to the Lord and to you for, for, for being here and, and for serving Him is that we love. And that love is not the touchy-feely, feel-good love. It's the sacrificial agape love of the New Testament. That means we lay down our lives and we're laying down our preferences for the person next to us. In order for Christ to be magnified, we must lay down our lives as He did. And so, examine your hearts, and I examine mine, and this has been a humbling weekend for me because I look at this opportunity and there is not a human on earth worthy of this task except by the grace of God. And so I'm thankful for that, but I'm reminded of what we are to do. Now, that's our memory verse, by the way, verses 34 and 35 this month. We're going to say that at the end. Do it again. But Jesus, I'm sorry, John isn't done after Jesus' instruction here. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2. This is the passage I shared with, the, with Nathan and with Aaron this morning. Landed in Philemon. All right. Come on. 1 John Chapter 2, and I'm going to read, and I didn't get them up on the screen. Verses 7 through 14. Beloved, here's John, the old man. I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said it's a new commandment? It's the fulfilled commandment of Christ. The commandment hasn't changed. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm write, I write to you, children, because you know the Father. 
I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So the reminder here is that we are to do what? Love one another. And what we find here when he's talking about fathers and young men and children, he's talking about generations. He's saying this is for everyone. We are to love one another. What does Jesus say is the first and greatest commandment? In Matthew chapter 22, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And what is the what do the Pharisees ask about the Samaritan? Who is my neighbor? And then we find that is whoever we run across. I'm convicted by that a lot of times because our world breeds suspicion and distrust. What about that person on the street corner? What if a van is coming to pick him up along the way? You know, God says, don't judge the recipient you give freely because it's not ours to start with we love one another and so my encouragement now as we come into this place and it's a it's a fresh you know fresh season to do what Christ has instructed his disciples in this moment back in John 13 a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, how did he love us? He died on the cross. He's calling us to that sacrificial love that we lay down our lives for the community and our families and the world around us, that they might love the Father as well. So the question starts, do you love him? Or does that mean that you have received his gift that he has offered of forgiveness? That you trust him as your personal Lord and Savior and that you're willing to take that step of obedience and trust him. And then secondly, that you would walk and trust and follow him for the rest of your days. Where are you in that? You know, the, the cool thing about that moment is that it's always a moment of renewal. We can do it better tomorrow than we did it yesterday. So I encourage you to renew your commitment to the Lord, to your families, to his church. Love him today. The question is asked, do you love him now? Let's pray. Our Lord, you are good and you are faithful. I thank you for your goodness, and I, and I thank you for the grace you give us to bless your name. You are good to us. I pray, Lord, that we renew our devotion to you, knowing that you laid down our life, your life for us. That's just the simple command I believe you give us today. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you are blessed as we, as we sing now and take these steps from this place that we tell others about what you have done for us on the cross and the hope we have.
for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. We'll have a time of response. I invite you to come forward if you have a decision to make for him. Be blessed, and let's worship our Lord together.